0: I'm David Van with Sooner Politics. I'm glad you're joining me this weekend for a weekend report. It is uh, December 22nd, shortest day of the year. It's getting close to the holidays, and we've had a busy week yet. Uh, A busy week in Oklahoma politics, busy week in Oklahoma news, as well as uh, our, what do we call it, dysfunctional federal government deciding to put on the drama of a so-called shutdown, which is nothing more than a slowdown, which is nothing new for the federal government, Right. All right, let's get into what's going on here uh, with Oklahoma. I'm going to be talking about some things. First of all, some leftover from last week. We found out that our teachers have been naughty. Some of them have been really bad to some of our children. <sighs> what really is bothering me is uh, the ongoing saga of female teachers being convicted of statutory rape of students under their care. Problem is, if you're a female teacher, you're getting off light. You're getting up probably with about half of the punishment that a male teacher would get. Is that right? Is that equality? Is that what uh, the feminists have been battling for for years? Or do they want it both ways? This is really a problem. We had a teacher this week uh, down in southern Oklahoma who uh, actually uh, was given probably one of the tougher sentences. She was given seven years. Uh, Multiple, multiple incidences. This woman that you see here is uh, actually from the Norman area. She got off with probation. Is this right? Is this the way we protect our kids? That brings a bigger question into mind. Are our sons just as valuable and worth protecting as our daughters are? This is something our lawmakers are gonna have to grapple with. I believe in giving the courts, the judges, discretion to look at the situation. I don't believe in a one-size-fits-all sentence. But judges, you're really getting your hands tied by the legislatures when you do this kind of thing. You're gonna have to show that all of our children are worth protecting. Not just our sons, not just our daughters, both, both. So that's an issue that's going on. I've uh, did some research on this. In fact, if you'll look up on soonerpolitics.org, about a week ago, my editorial section, I went through about a dozen, well, I'd say 10 cases just in the last four years, just in four years, we've had... At least 10, at least 10, that either have been adjudicated or are awaiting trial. Now, uh, I can guarantee you, this is not the way we handle male teachers. It was just uh, nearly 20 years ago, here in Tulsa, Christian School, and uh, Aaron Thompson, Grace Christian School, which is now closed, had uh, a teacher there that was molesting boys. He's probably not ever going to get out of prison, probably not ever, yet women like this one in the picture here probably will not even go to prison. This is a problem. I want you to look at that, study what I've got. Uh, We'd love to hear your feedback on our Facebook group, Center Politics Facebook group. That's where we go to get feedback and discussion and believe me, I read the comments. Your feedback is very helpful politics of course is a citizen journalism project and we benefit greatly from the input of all citizens. In fact uh, I tell you what I wrote something uh, this last week and a fellow from Hugo took me to task and you know what he had some points. I had to go back and edit some things. This is uh, this is how journalism should be. okay We're not above mistakes any of us and we need to own up to them okay we've got to do that let's move on to our next topic here let's see what's going on with uh, with other things so we got the female teachers they've been uh, uh, some of them being bad they're harming the profession I've been a a school teacher not just a homeschooler but Christian school teacher and uh, I got a lot of respect for it it's great what they do it's great when they do it right Folks, our children are worth protecting. Let's talk about our Muskogee school abuses. A boy in a county lockup. Now this is golden, folks. This happened at the Ellis Robertson Middle School in Muskogee. Muskogee Public Schools. A boy was sick. His mother, who doesn't have her own vehicle, um, it's difficult. I know it's tough to raise kids, especially in single-parent family. Um, my understanding is, I don't know what the family situation, I do know that transportation is a challenge. She was on uh, local TV, in fact it was picket- picked up nationally. Her son was sick, she took him to the doctor, had excused absence, she even provided a note to the school as if that should even be required, but he also missed some additional absences. Now, we've got a truancy law in Oklahoma that says, amongst other things, you can only miss so much before, you know, you're going to have to potentially answer for for it. By the way, this fellow in here is not the principal of the school. He is their public relations officer. <laughs> yeah, they pay him to try to defend the actions that he had nothing to do with. I feel sorry for him. <laughs> I believe his name's Steve Braun. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> so here's what happened. He gets to school uh, after uh, you know his fourth absence and the school puts out this policy they want to make sure that the parents are notified so if that parent does not sign a statement after four absences four absences in in about a month uh and the child misses a fifth absence they do something that's way beyond their legal authority, at least in this situation. And Steve Ron here says that this law's been on the books. It says they have a right to take that child, bring him into the county lockup. Now, it's a juvenile lockup. And they will not let that child out of the lockup until the mother comes and signs whatever paperwork they decide, it's not statutory, It's just up to them. They decide what paperwork she has to sign, confess to, promise to, whatever, before they'll let her son out of the county lockup. Well, here's the problem with that. I took a look at the law, or at least I did my best to research it. Mind you, I'm not an attorney. I don't claim to be, but I can read English. And you know what? Our lawmakers, they aren't trying to be misunderstood. Most of them do a pretty good job when they're writing a bill and they get help on it. And it's pretty clear. The law, which my understanding, went into effect back in 1989. It says that you got a habitual uh, truant. What can happen here? If they find the child unsupervised out in the community, the law enables them to detain the child and take them. And here's the wording: directly, either to their parent, or you know, who has custodian, uh, custodial care of them, or bring them to school. Now, under certain circumstances, they may be temporarily detained in a youth facility. But the point is, take them physically and bring them either to their parent or to school. Well here's what these folks did, these bright bulbs down at the Muskogee uh, public school district waited until the kid was in school and in front of all the other students, they put him in handcuffs and hauled him off down to the county lockup. If that is an abuse of power, I don't know what is and I think Muskogee is about to be hit with a lawsuit If I have any sense of the outrage of a good parent in Oklahoma, who cares? Now listen, it's especially a problem if we've got a child with any kind of mental health, uh, anxiety, uh, developmental disability, anything like that. These kinds of things can be very traumatizing to an adult. Imagine what they can do to kids. So folks, you've you've got a child at home. And they're sick they might need to see a doctor and you know what the doctor may say it may take a few days for them to get well well if that child goes back to school a little bit early they may have a relapse you may need to take it keep them home maybe a day or two longer If they miss the bus you certainly don't want them walking out in the cold for a long distance in inclement weather but for this school to mandate That you've got to take this child and haul him down, potentially pay $200 to see a doctor. Which, by the way, if you don't have insurance, that's not unreasonable to expect it to run. But again, to send them for a second time, Muskogee's got to get their act together. They've got to read the law, read the intent of the law, and be in keeping with it. The law does not allow you to take a kid out of school for being absent. The law allows you to bring him to school if he's habitually absent. So we got a problem with Muskogee. I'd like uh, like to see that addressed, and I'm hoping the legislature can make it clear if these people can't understand the language itself, maybe it's time we either clarify it so that other schools in the state don't continue to have this problem. All right, we've got a new legislature. Let's talk about it. You know we've got 45 new house members. This, (laughs) This month just came on salary. This is probably the largest class of incoming freshmen since our very first legislature was assembled in statehood over a hundred years ago. That's right. Uh, not only that, and probably contributing to it, is the brilliant folks that were set up in an agency or a committee to determine legislative pay decided last year that we needed to cut the pay of these legislators. And, not surprisingly, Probably a record number of them decided that it isn't worth it. They're not running again So we've got a problem here We've got to get a legislature that we pay to do the job and then by God does the complete job We need agency oversight. We need to see these things happen um, On a regular basis and we need to see the dollars accounted for so I'm looking forward to seeing that by the way, I think I mentioned last week Bob Sullivan uh, contacted uh, me, and I was asking him what's happening with the audits. Bob, who's a fantastic Tulsa citizen, uh, oil company executive, he was a candidate for governor back in 2006 in the Republican primary. Bob was appointed by Governor Fallon to this nine-member committee, which was, uh, uh, was an agency performance audit commission, APAC. Well, they selected six agencies to do audits. Now, they had a short season because had to wait until legislature passed a budget and adjourned so they'd know whether or not they'd got the money to go ahead and hire some good accounting agencies, good outside accounting firms. (laughs) Because we certainly weren't going to have the state agencies auditing themselves. Now, this isn't just a checkbook audit where we just make sure the checkbook balances. This is about efficiencies. This is about staying true to the mandate, both statutorily and, and constitutionally. Are they getting involved in mission creep that's sucking the money out of what we actually impaneled them to do? So, uh... Bob said that these audits are going to be given to the legislature early in January. He did say they're going to be made public at that same time. Now, this is going to be a good thing, okay? Uh, Oklahomans, you're going to have to be prepared. These audits may say, my God, there's no way they can do what they're supposed to do on what little bit we give them. I know some agencies like that. And then he's saying, my God, the money they waste, absolutely waste. And then they made up a bunch of mandates of their own that we didn't even ask them to do. And they're prioritizing that and starving the real important work that we did ask them to do. So uh, this is going to be an ongoing thing, this commission. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do in the next year or two. In fact, uh, uh, Bob had told me last spring, he said, You know, uh, we'd already made our decision when that teacher strike our teacher walkout happened. And we decided, (laughs) now we like, probably would have been good to do education. And, you know, and and there again, we're not talking about, is Johnny's teacher doing a good job of teaching? It's more about the Department of Education in uh, Oklahoma City and the agencies and the mandates. Have you ever looked at uh, 1889 institute uh did a research study a paper last year about a year ago on all of the mandates and regulations that a public school district has to meet i was blown away pages and pages and pages broken down by here's what your school lunch program has to do here's what your uh uh you know your classrooms have to be like here's what your instruction that everything here's how your busing program has to work and there's just pages and pages of regulations and looking at it like no wonder there's so much money on it our government is not the solution our government is the problem and we have got to find a way to more efficiently educate our next generation into it within our means and i'm sure we can do better than this so anyway getting back to this 45 new house members 36 republicans nine democrats that means almost half the democrats were uh, our new members and i would say yeah right at half or just about half of the republicans are new members Now, we have two Democrats, or former Democrats, now in the House Republican Caucus. We have Ken Luttrell, who years ago served in the legislature as a a Democrat. This time he ran Northern Oklahoma as a Republican, and he won. Uh, Also, we have a fellow that I don't believe faced a challenge last, uh, last year, and Johnny Tadlock was given another term. Well, Johnny decided uh, he'd probably better off in the Republican Party. Now, I'll tell you the reason for that. The rural Democrat Party basically doesn't exist. There's only two, I think, maybe three legislators in Oklahoma who are Democrats. I'm sorry, three House members who are Democrats, who are not from the two large metropolitan areas. Ben Loring barely hung on to win up in the Miami area. And then David Perriman from Chickasha, uh, he won re-election. Other than that, uh, Donnie Condit, fine man from McAllister. I know Donnie. Donnie is trusted by the Republicans. Uh, Donnie was a good, uh, I would say, I'd call him a Tea Party Democrat. And then uh, he lost he lost in the uh, last time he ran he barely won so and then of all people the house democrat caucus um a democrat leader steve copeland he lost he, he's from okima you know about the i'd say the east side of uh, okimoki county and coming all the way up almost to sepulpa But um, Steve Copeland, in fact, he was the one that told me last summer, I met him in his office there uh, during the interim study just before I came. And I mentioned, I said, yeah, I'm I'm Republican. I would call myself Tea Party Republican. And Steve said to me, he said, you know, Dave, when Tea Party movement really took off in 2009, 2010, He said, there's very much a Democrat movement as well as Republican here in Oklahoma. And I looked at him, I said, tell me more. And he said, oh yeah, it was more the mom and pop's business who was getting screwed over and all the big corporations, too big to fail, were getting all the bailouts. And I just said, Steve, you're the first person in this building I've ever heard get that right. Because it is. It is about people fed up with the government treating the big businesses better than they treat the small business the big guy gets treated better than the small guy that's very true in oklahoma politics so not a lot of camaraderie with uh, steve copeland on that uh, so but the problem is steve's gone donnie's gone johnny tidlock <laughs> decided to leave the party and join the republican caucus so um, that's, um, that's a couple of things that are going on at the house. I'm going to get into another thing. But first this. Let me say something for Triad Heat and Air here in, in uh, Tulsa uh, area. Triad Heat and Air is a fantastic uh, heating, air conditioning, ventilation uh, company run by Ted and Rhonda. Or excuse me, Tim and Rhonda. Uh, let me ask you, like I did last week. Are you going away for the holidays? I hope when you come back you don't find your pipe burst because your heater went out and we had a cold snap. Let's say, um, what does it cost to get your floors redone, your cabinets redone, your carpets replaced, to get the mold and mildew out because you spent an extra couple of days out of town? The best thing to do before you get out of town It's called Triad Heat and Air. Talk to Tim and Rhonda and the team there. They'll get you back up straight. Uh, Triad Heat and Air, Tulsa, Oklahoma, serving uh, the northeastern Oklahoma area. All right, let's get back to the next thing uh, that we have on our agenda here to talk about. We've got, this is from Muskogee Political. Fantastic people. Oh, yep, I got a typo. I didn't spell political correctly. We're talking about the budget surplus. If you remember, along with me, there's uh, Tom Coburn, members of the platform caucus last March. So we really don't need to raise taxes, and they raised half a billion, half a billion, just round numbers, half a billion. And they said we have to do it for education. Well, the net result is they turn their back on another opportunity to give a stipend to the teacher significant immediate pay that uh, out of funds just sitting in a lockbox like a billion dollars in school land trust just coming from uh, residuals just from uh, dividends earned on investment money in our school land trust Uh, We can get into, look up uh, Oklahoma School Land Trust. You can learn more about how that was started. It was actually the federal government gave us land at statehood and said, now put this aside, this uh, land, these resources, the uh, uh, mineral rights, oil, you know, all of that, that all has to go to supporting education in your state. That's why it's there. Okay, let's go on. Tom Coburn made a lot of legislators mad, not the platform caucus member there, like you see with Jeff and and, uh, and Chuck in the background there. But he said you guys really need to uh, to be a little more earnest. He said the easy thing to do is to raise taxes. It doesn't take any creativity at all, quoting Tom Coburn, former U.S. Senator from Oklahoma, former congressman. Uh, successful businessman trusted doctor delivered over a thousand babies in uh, eastern oklahoma area but there that's tom coburn survived cancer twice tom coburn uh said hang on guys just hang on you know what i wish we would have because as it ends up in and jameson fought with muskogee politico son of a former state rep george Fodd He reports that it seems now we've got, depending on how these numbers aren't so cockeyed, we may have $1.2, $1.3 billion left over from last year. Sure, we raised our spending last year. We raised taxes and we spent it all. We spent everything in our rainy day fund from the year before. ends up now there's uh, reporting and this is going before the Equalization Board, about 600 and some thousand dollars of, of extra money that we have to do something with because we're already putting in uh, just about our max into the rainy day fund. Yeah, we're refilling our rainy day fund. And uh, so this is a moment for the Platform Caucus, Oklahoma Taxpayers Unite, uh, Dr. Tom Coburn, Uh, to say I told you so. Now, Governor Stitt was one who stood with Tom Coburn. In fact, on the day of this picture, back at the end of March, uh, Kevin Stitt had signed a pledge agreeing with Dr. Coburn. We don't need to raise any taxes in this environment. And we were right. The legislature was wrong. Governor Fallon was wrong. All right. This is our I told you so moment. So, that's what's going on with that. Uh, Jameson Fought at muskogepolitico.com. Definitely worth uh, checking out. I want you to uh, take a look at his stuff. Jameson writes some fantastic, fantastic stuff. All right. Let me say something about, uh, in fact, Jameson and his father. Uh, George Fought. Clean Pro. Carpet cleaning, disaster rest, uh, floor, restoration, disaster cleanup you got that pipe busted because you didn't get your uh heaters checked out and you went away uh for to visit grandma and the, and the relatives and you come back and now you've got water everywhere uh it's finally thawing out from when it iced over in the first place to give you that oh, plumbing disaster who are you gonna call you're gonna call jameson and george fought if you live anywhere in eastern oklahoma those are the people you'd rather have take care of your problems let me tell you something about george fought george served uh several terms in the legislature george is a republican in a very democrat district back at a time he went he went to office back at a time when it was very hard still for a republican to win in oklahoma especially especially in a Democrat district. George and his family run business. Uh, George, his wife, Becky and him started. They're so respected in their community because if you're a Democrat, you may think that Republicans are blue bloods, but any Republican who'll come and clean all the dog poop out of your carpet because Daisy all of a sudden got sick and couldn't hold it in, let me tell you, that's a Democrat that even the—I mean, that's a Republican even the Democrats can appreciate. George fought, and Jameson fought, uh, operate as a father-son team, clean pro, clean pro in Muskogee. Look them up, give them a call, tell them Sooner Politics sent you. All right, let's get back to the news. We've got a few things going on here. The House Republicans had a group hug. We had a retreat a couple of weeks ago, and in fact, uh, I didn't know at the time they were in retreat, but on the way back from it, one of uh, the legislators who I've gotten to know gave me a call, and he identified himself as a rhino, but <clears throat> he gave me certain assurances. He didn't really reveal anything confidential, but I could tell there was a different tone. He didn't really want to announce anything, but he said, uh, he thinks this will be a good session. It'll probably build some unity. And I read some more on it. Well, it comes, uh, come to find out, we had some uh, really unique things happen. We had uh, a speaker and a majority leader who put back a party, especially a caucus, that was so deeply splintered, especially after the primaries and runoff elections. And they decided, you know what, we've been a little bit laxed and let things get out of hand. We let divisions fester. We look the other way. They're not going to do it anymore. They're expecting the Republican caucus members in the House that if you got a Republican colleague in office, you don't campaign for his opponents, period. Not for a Democrat, not for a fellow Republican. You stay out of it. Why? Because it makes it really hard to sit next to each other in caucus when you're trying to basically run the other guy out. And there's a lot of bitterness. Now, yes, this goes both ways. This also means if you're a platform caucus member and you don't like that rhino, they're saying, "All yeah, just stay out of somebody else's race. All right, and uh, two members of the Platform Caucus survived uh, attempts to uh, unseat them in the primary. Two fine men, Platform uh, Co-Chair, Sean Roberts. Sean has been given chairmanship of a very important uh, committee. He is uh, the chairman of public health. He is being elevated to that role Uh, this year. I'm just checking my time here. So, uh, and then Tom Gann, fine man. Both these men are excellent. And you know, if you don't get along with Sean or Tom Gann, it's probably you. That's how fine men they are. But uh, Tom Gann is being put in charge of uh, a government oversight committee. His committee will probably be tapped to look at the results of these performance audits that are coming out here in the next week or two. Uh, Both Ian, Sean Roberts, and the public health will be definitely taking a look at the medical marijuana laws that we passed, we the people passed, and try to find ways to make them work so sick people get well. Quality of life is improved for people suffering chronic diseases and disorders. And yet, community concerns for child exploitation, public safety, safe roads, safe workplaces, all of these things get handled in a balanced way. Sean Roberts is a man I have full confidence in, his wisdom, his discretion, and uh, his honesty. So, and I think you're going to see the same with Tom Gann over there in the uh, General Government uh, Agency Oversight. Role so uh, I think it's administrative rules is actually the name of the committee that 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 uh, Tom Gann is going to be overseeing. So look for that to happen, and uh, I want to commend John Eccles and Charles McCall for bringing back together, in large part, a very fractured Republican House Caucus. Now you know we'll see. Okay we've had these kumbaya moments before and yeah it looks a lot like uh on the surface you think it's just like these rugby players in the picture look like they're having a group hug and they're really uh fighting each other with everything they got because they all want to get away with the ball and run with it and uh let's see if we can't get the republicans united once again i'm congratulating for that let's go on to the next thing but first i want to ask you how are those kitchen cabinets do you like the stuff that you get out of the big box stores it's probably made by a sweatshop in the uh, manchurian province of uh, people's republic of china Do you like that Maybe it's time you get real craftsmanship. Maybe it's time you get it done right. Maybe it's just a simple repair, a refinishing, Maybe it's time to yank them all down and start over again. My friends at the Carpenter Shop in Oklahoma City are just the people that you want for fine American craftsmanship. Yes, it still exists. Al and the team over there will help you go through the whole process from picking the woods, picking the finishes, picking the layout, picking the functionality. Get your cabinets at the Carpenter Shop serving Central Oklahoma. Call Al and the gang at thecarpentershop.net. Alrighty then, I'm going to talk to you about my pick for Citizen of the Year, Ron Durbin. Now, well, everybody out there says, Ron who? Who's he? Let me tell you folks, we've got a lot of great Oklahomans. Most of them don't get a lot of uh, notoriety, recognition for what they do. This man, Ron Durbin, I spent some time with him. He had no idea I was, he was being considered for this distinction. Sooner Politics has finally decided, starting this year, we need to honor a citizen of the year. And uh, I can't think of anybody better than Ron for it. And let me tell you why. Because of the chronic health conditions that are affecting so many of our elderly, baby boomers getting older, arthritis pain so deeply deeply disabling the severity of the pain you got people fighting cancer and the chemotherapy is ravaging their digestive system so deeply they can't hold any food down they can't keep their weight they can't keep their strength because they're trying they're trying but they don't have the best tools you got veterans coming home from second third tour of duty in the Middle East And they're having flashbacks, night terrors, family's not getting any sleep, they've got PTSD and it's bad, in fact it's getting so bad, just this last year up in Owasso, uh, a woman is married to a veteran who's doing terribly, she's having to be the breadwinner, she's away from home, gone to work trying to keep the lights on and food on the table she asked the local police can you do a wellness check go down go check on my husband here's the address well this one went badly for the owasso police they bang on the door they yell loudly the police It throws this uh very very fragile man into a psychotic uh state of panic uh terrors and he grabs a gun and comes to the door when the shooting was done the veteran was dead the hands of two police officers it's sad it's sad for our police they're not mental health professionals but you have veterans at an alarming rate suffering PTSD and our VA has no better pills to give them than a bunch of tranquilizers that turn them into zombies catatonic it's horrible It's horrible. And a lot of veterans are refusing to take them because of the side effects. They need something calming. I just described three of the more prominent and more common roles of why medical marijuana was passed by the people in Oklahoma. We've got chronic pain that the opiates aren't working anymore, or if they are working, they're probably dying of overdose because the more you take them, the more you have to take the more your body gets resistant to the effects of them. And in order to get the pain blocked out, you keep taking more and more. And eventually some people turn to street drugs because their doctor cut them off. Well, now we've got a wonderful state law that says uh, these pain management doctors are probably going to go to jail if they don't start cutting people off. Right now, the CBD oils with THC, yes, that is the psychoactive ingredient, the synergy of those two chemicals in cannabis medicine are bringing great relief for people with chronic pain. People like my mother, maybe your mother, maybe your father. We've got people with fighting cancer that are losing weight like crazy because of the chemotherapy because they're desperately trying to shrink those tumors, they need help. They need help. We've got veterans with uh, serious mental health issues. Okay, I've made my point of why we have this medicine. Unfortunately, not everybody likes it because they're afraid somebody might abuse it. As if they don't currently abuse the hydrocodone and the other opiates that your local drugstore has been giving out left and right. Ron Durbin is representing the patients of Oklahoma. Yes, he filed lawsuit against the Board of Health. Yes, the Board of Health was absolutely wrong. Yes, the Board of Health was way outside their constitutional limits when they made additional laws, restrictions, and rules when we the people had just decided to get rid of a bunch of the rules that no longer served the purposes of Oklahoma. Ron was successful against the Board of Health. As a result, the Attorney General stepped in to save a lawsuit from having to go any further. He told the Board of Health, you're way outside your limits. Ron won that at the Board of Health. Within a month, we had sensible rules so people could begin to get their health cards, see their doctors, develop an alternative treatment program, and start getting well. Then Ron had to start facing city after city after city after city. Yes, Ron took, for instance, the city of Broken Arrow to court. city of Broken Arrow had so many rules that were way beyond both the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. He took it to district court in Tulsa, and a judge ruled not only in his favor, but before they even heard the case, slapped a... Rest- well... An injunction against the city of Broken Arrow from enforcing it. They held the the case. The judge ruled for Ron Durbin's client. Broken Arrow was told to stand down. Broken Arrow didn't want to stand down. Broken Arrow now is taking it before the state Supreme Court. We're awaiting any day now a ruling of the state Supreme Court on this issue. If so, it will become the precedent setting case in Oklahoma on how you treat cannabis medicine. The laws pretty clearly say you treat this just like you would your local pharmacy if you're a municipality. If you got fire codes that apply to your Walgreens drugstore, they apply to the dispensary. If you've got a uh, business license that every commercial business must pay for and get that same business license should apply to the dispensary but not at any higher rate than what the drugstore pays any of those rules any of those extra stipulations setbacks additional zoning requirements uh, that go outside the the scope of the law outside the scope of a municipality's right to enforce and add additional requirements which really don't exist in this law A municipality doesn't have a right to do it unless the legislature unless the statutes specifically empower them to do so the language of this law expressly does the opposite specifically tells these municipalities what they can't do ron durbin (coughs) And I talked this week, and uh, it was great talk. Finally, I said, Ron, tell me, uh, how are the funds going? You know, the people that are paying for this lawsuit, are, are, are they able to come up? He looked at me in shock. He said, there's nobody paying for this. This is all my pro bono work. He said, I can hardly even get people to pay the filing fee on some of these uh, court actions. He said, no. No, this is, uh, this is because I think it's the right thing to do. Now, who is Ron Durbin? Ron is a native of Mississippi. When Ron came to Oklahoma, he thought he had left the political chapter in his life behind. See, Ron was an associate to a number of notable uh, elected officials in, uh, in Mississippi. Uh, his Republican background brought him in contact and working relationship with people like Haley Barber, the former RNC uh, chairman, Trent Lott, some of the congressmen. Now, when Ron came to Oklahoma, it was to practice law, his civil law, and Ron said it was the most unlikely thing. A friend of his asked him to uh, proofread A proposed state question and Ron ended up writing a number of things in it now that state question ended up not uh, making it to a ballot but that's what got Ron involved so yes Ron does have a number of clients in medical marijuana businesses but much of what he's doing right now he's doing on his own for that reason Ron Durbin is our citizen of the year And that doesn't take away from all the great things you're doing, your neighbors are doing, and people in your community are doing. There are many good people who could have easily gotten this this recognition, but Sooner Politics chose Ron Durbin. Alright, we're going to move on. Uh, So that's what's going on there. I want to talk to you about something else. This is the last thing I wanna leave you with before the holiday break. Human Dignity Lost in Oklahoma. Do you recognize that picture? Yeah, it's a cemetery. You know what ESH stands for? Eastern State Hospital in Veneta. I wanna tell you something about human dignity. There are many suffering people, including, I'll bet your relatives, if you're honest with yourself. for a moment who suffer with mental illness most mentally ill people keep some functionality or at least regain some functionality but not all of them the sad thing in Oklahoma is our public facilities for the sake of public safety we have to have constitutionally we are mandated to have four state hospitals but we're not keeping them eastern state hospital in veneta served us for about the first hundred years of our statehood until it was closed in the waning days of frank keating's uh, administration at one point eastern state hospital had about 2600 beds 2600 They uh, actually had their own agriculture production, dairy production. They had uh, all kinds of things to try to be self-sustaining and give their long-term residents an opportunity to find some dignity in their uh, work, their skills, their abilities. It protected them from society and protected society from them. Eastern State Hospital uh, had people that never did leave eventually their final resting place is this cemetery you know you don't see any stones in the background of this cemetery you know what the markers were and i'm going to use the word were okay it was a little concrete slab with an impression of the person's name that's it just their name not when they were born not when they died not where they came from not who their mother was not who their loved ones are not who their kids are nothing not their faith not their uh, ambition in life no achievements just had their name well sadly this cemetery uh was uh left unattended pretty much it was down at the uh, east end of the campus, there, north of Anita. Sadly, uh, what's attributed to a bunch of kids one night decided to go have some fun in the cemetery. Now, these grave markers were nothing more than a shallow little piece of like patio stone, okay? Just laying there, just laying there. They decided that uh, to have their own version of uh, Buffalo Chip uh, tossing contests that night. That's right. They just started picking them up and flinging them. Busting them. All over. This is a cemetery that's big enough to have 8,000 plots. Now, I, we don't even know how many are buried there. That's right. We don't even know how many are buried there. Why? Because the hospital didn't keep records, there are no papers on file saying where they were, who they are, which plot they're buried in. To them, it's like all well, those markers out there in no, the field—that's the record. Yeah, it's a bunch of kids, according to the narrative of law enforcement, a bunch of kids decide to destroy all that. Well, there were some records, some families kept records. Some families who still saw the value in the human life of their relative wanted to put a marker back. So guess what? And, in in fact, a a lawmaker from Norman, back in 2000, shortly after this uh, vandalism happened, said uh, he wrote a bill, you know, directing for it to happen. Attorney General at the time, Drew Edmondson, said no that would be a violation of federal HEPA laws see we got to keep their um, privacy yeah their medical records which is HEPA is about you know which says what they're diagnosed for and what kind of treatment they've had and stuff that somehow that applies to the fact that their body is buried in that cemetery which of course it doesn't except for the presumptiveness of the public uh, you see, people get sent to Venita, who gets sent back, saying there's nothing wrong with them. In fact, that used to be a pretty nifty little trick when you're going through a family dispute, by just having them put away as mentally unstable. It happened, folks. Sadly, it happened. I know. I have relatives that happened to unjustly put in a mental hospital fortunately for someone near and dear to me uh in my family uh going back several decades the good doctors at their mental hospital said no you, you don't belong here you're fine stressed but fine and who wouldn't be for being wrongly placed there so the problem is now you've got a cemetery there with a bunch of dead bodies have been put there over the last hundred years and not a marker now there were few markers left undisturbed very few some families some historical societies and very limited records we think we may have about 70 markers somewhat properly uh, retained out of over 8,000 plots yeah, if you're an organized mob and you want to get rid of a body, the uh, only safe place in America to do that is put them in the ground there because law enforcement won't know whose body is whose. That's right, folks. This is our government showing a lack of dignity for the mentally ill. If you've got a loved one that's difficult, you're still a better caretaker than of them then our government is only family only family can truly give the best environment for restoration to the mentally ill now that's saying only when it's safe safe for the family same for the mentally ill loved one there are times a person needs 24-hour care in oversight. There are times when their condition is so severe it takes even a court order. There are times when law enforcement have to act. But let me tell you, folks, you want that person restored back to family. This is Christmas. This is a time when God Almighty sent His Son to rescue us. It's time for us to renew our commitment to helping each other in a time of need. I hope you and your family have a Merry Christmas. I know I've gone a little long in this broadcast, but it's important to me to remind my fellow Oklahomans who we are, who we really are. Don't let the government decide who we are as a people because I'm afraid they won't always fully, fully realize what it is that makes us a special people. Hope you have a Merry Christmas. For all of us here at Sooner Politics, we appreciate being a part of your life. We appreciate being, being, being able to work with so many dozens of bloggers, uh, hundreds uh, across the state and even some outside the state who help bring the local and state news to you every year. We look forward to a good year coming ahead. We look forward to a better legislative session. We look forward to better healing, better restoration, a better economy, and more sensible reforms. We look forward for restoration of liberty, uh, for the people of Oklahoma to really shine and be the best version of themselves that God has called them to be. Merry Christmas small all of us. Uh, to, To all of you, and have a Happy New Year. Thank you.